People get really confused about this particular scripture passage. Maybe not confused, but if you study the Bible at all, you come to know that in the Gospel of John, this scripture passage is at the beginning, is, is placed in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Whereas in the other synoptic Gospels, it is placed in the last week of Jesus' life. And in those Gospels, it is shown as one of those things that sort of tips the scales against Jesus. Meaning that people see him do this, and it's that week of the Passover, of his, his last week of life, and they think, well, this is one of the things that the, gets the people's attention, and so now this is what leads to his death. Whereas in the Gospel of John, it's more near the beginning of his ministry. He's in Jerusalem for the Passover, which would, of course, make sense. We, we assume that Jesus, being a faithful Jewish male, that he would have gone to the Passover as much as every year if he could have. If he could have made the trip with his family and all of that, that they would have gone for the Passover because this is the celebration. This is the celebration, the celebration for the Jews. The Passover and the Exodus is the story for, for Jewish people. It is, it is like our resurrection story of Jesus. It is, it is the central story of their faith that God brought them out of slavery with Moses as their leader and then brought them through the wilderness to the promised land. That is, that is the central story for the Jewish people. So the celebration of the Passover and all of this is central to everything for them. And so it's, so just imagine, just imagine one of the largest gatherings of people that you can. Maybe it's something that you've gone to, or, or maybe you're one of those families that used to have these tremendous family reunions. I don't know if you've ever seen those folks, you know, they've got the t-shirts. I don't know if you were ever part of one of those families. You never were. We never had a big enough family to do that. But every year, you know, they gather at wherever it is. You know, they rent some state park or something. And they go and they've got t-shirts made. And every fit they've got them. And, you know, they've got a saying for every year. And it's a big thing. I mean, just imagine that. Like, but this is more compelled. Because this is to honor God. And there are certain things that you're supposed to do that you're supposed to do as a Jewish person and as a Jewish family. When you come to the temple in that Passover week, there are, there are certain sacrifices that you're supposed to make. And so if you're going to travel for a long, long way, it's very difficult to bring with you the right kind of animal or the number of animals that you're supposed to bring. Because at this time, all the sacrifices are really based on either grain or some sort of animal sacrifice. It isn't that they just come and, and bring money and give money to the temple. They would do that too. But, but that there were these sacrifices that needed to be made. And so this economy grows up around the temple and basically in the temple square of people who are, one, exchanging money. You could not give, you could not use the regular Roman money within the temple because it had a graven image on it. It had the image of the emperor on it. And so you had to exchange that for this other money that didn't have a graven image on it, the temple money, right? And I'm guessing that it wasn't just like, oh, we do this as a nice service for you. I'm sure that just like when you go overseas, uh, 
used to go overseas, you know, you pay to have somebody exchange that money for you. And then you use that money to either pay your temple tax or your, or give your donation, or you use that money to buy the doves or the oxen or the, you know, whatever the goats, whatever animal it is that you need, because those animals need to be of a certain kind. They need to be without blemish. So then there are people there who have those animals there, the right ones. And just imagine thousands of people now coming and having to do this on the day that they're going to come and do this. So there's all of these people in there. And this is sort of the system. And, and as you read through the Old Testament, you realize, oh, this is what they're supposed to do. I mean, people are, this is what they are supposed to do. And so it's interesting then that Jesus comes into this system, which he's probably seen his entire life. He comes into this system and it says in the temple, he found people selling cattle. And again, in the temple means if you've ever seen, if you go to your Bible, hopefully there, maybe you can find a a drawing of the temple because the temple and then there's these courtyards and then there's the, the Holy of Holies, which nobody went to except for once a year. And then, you know, all these things where only priests could go. But where this is, is it's in the temple complex, but it's outside of the temple proper but they're there selling cattle and doves and money changers seated at their tables. And it's in, and only in John does it say that he makes a whip of cords. But basically, he takes some leather or some rope and he makes a whip. And he drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. And then he pours out the coins of the money changers and overturns their tables. So I want you to imagine this scene. Thousands of people there, perhaps, or at least thousands of people in the city. And he comes in and he basically turns over the whole economy of sacrifice. Turns over the whole economy of sacrifice. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. And it says, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now, again, in the Greek, there isn't punctuation. So, so we add in the English exclamation points after what Jesus says. But we, we get a sense of, if the writers are, are recording what the disciples were feeling and thinking, zeal for your house will consume me. That means he had this strong feeling about this sort of thing. And of course, then the Jews come to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Or who are you to be doing this? Who are you to be doing this? And Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? And that was very true. Herod the Great had had begun building the temple before Jesus' birth. And it was still, in a sense, under construction. Sort of like National Cathedral in in Washington, D.C. It's always under construction. They're always building or rebuilding or doing something different. Like, it'll never be finished. And it's just one of these things. And, and, and so they're like, well, they're looking at this temple. And then 46 years has been, and you're going to, oh, tear it down. You're going to build it up in three days. And, and John says, well, he was speaking about the temple of his body. 
After he was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Again, this is such, there's so much richness here because Jesus is talking about that the temple, the right place for worship is now within him. What does that mean for all of this economy of sacrifice? Its time is over. We believe, of course, that, and in the book of Hebrews, it talks about that Jesus' sacrifice was the last sacrifice, the last flesh and blood sacrifice that needed to be made in terms of honoring God that he was the end of all sacrifices. That Jesus giving of himself in this way ended all of that and that now we were moving into a time where we could worship in spirit and in truth. And I think this scripture passage, much like many, many scriptures that we have, didn't just happen once, but these things happen. We build within ourselves and within our economies, in our countries, within our systems, we build things just like the economy of sacrifice. This is the way that things are done. And oftentimes what it takes is it takes someone to come in and to overturn all of that, to get our attention and to begin to see things differently, to begin to be shown another way. I've said many times to you that when I read the scripture, it does not comfort me. Mostly what it does is it turns over the tables of my brokenness and my sin. It reveals to me the ways that I am not doing what God would want me to do. It unsettles me and it causes me to try to think through and to confess all of those ways that I mess up. I do things wrong. I'm harsh. I'm mean. I enjoy systems that I don't even realize exist and and take the benefits of those without thinking about those that it hurts. And so I think this is a necessary thing for us personally in our faith to allow God's word, to allow Jesus to turn over the tables of, of what we think and how we think things are, to be challenged by that. That's one of the things about our Christian faith. People say, oh, it's such a comfort to me. Yes, it ought to be a comfort to you. That's wonderful. But it also shouldn't just leave us there in our comfort. Jesus comes to challenge us because our tendency is to look out for ourselves first and nobody else. And Jesus wants to come into our lives and turn those tables over and wake us up to a new way of being, to worship at a different temple. And also I think that then this comes into those systems, right? Because this is this where Jesus turns over the table. This isn't just about a personal system, this is about a corporate system. It's about, it was about his system of religion, the religion that he grew up in, and how our religions need to get turned over. And I think, especially in our world today, we have religions about economy. We have religions about class and race and place and caste. We have religions about all these kinds of things. And I believe that through this pandemic and through the social unrest that we've had, that Jesus is in the midst of this, 
and he is comforting some and he is healing some and he is helping some. But he is turning the tables over for us. Calling us to challenge the way that we think and the way that we do things that we might live more into spirit and to the truth to be shown a new and a different way. And so if you've been feeling challenged lately, if you've been feeling frustrated, if, if this pandemic, is, if you're just done, right? Maybe the question to ask is not, how do I find more comfort? How do I just accept all this? But what is God unsettling in me? What is Jesus unsettling in me? What is Jesus turning over in me so that I might be better? That I might confess those ways that I'm broken and be healed of those things. To worship in spirit and truth and to worship the one who gave himself that we might know that truth, that life, and that light. Jesus shows us the way. May we listen to his call. As those tables get turned over, may we be challenged by them and may we meet that challenge with faith and hope and grace and love. Amen.